And what up, party people? How's it going? I'm your man, DJ Fernando G, and here we are with the one and only AJ Mora. Brother, how are you, man? What's up, man? I'm good, bro. Oh my how are God. you? I'm doing fabulous, brother. I'm doing fabulous. I mean, it's it's been a long time since we've actually been face-to-face somewhat, right? <laughs> a long time, bro. I know. I was so excited when you called me and asked me to be part of this, bro. This, this is really cool. It's it's been fun, dude. Putting it together, you know. I, I reached out to Joe Casillas uh, some time ago yeah. about it when I was thinking of the concept and how I was gonna do it and all. And um, then I just said, you know what? I got I got to get AJ on. You know, I definitely got to get him on. Yeah. So I said, boom. We, yeah, we Joe's, Joe's uh, that first one was really good, man. I love this concept, DJ to DJ. It's really cool, dude. I that's I appreciate you asking me to be part of it, man. It's uh, really well, awesome. well it, it's an honor to have you on, brother. So as uh, as we you, started sir. with uh, Joe Casillas, basically, I want to talk to you about the beginnings, how you got started, how uh, you evolved into wow. not only the DJ that you are today, the amazing DJ that you are today, but producer composer songwriter let's let's go man, back let's um, go back to the early 80s man humble, yeah humble beginnings bro i mean you were actually a, a really core part of that um people from la will remember maryland's backstreet yeah um <laughs> it, it was a pretty cool 16 and over dance vibe and all of us kids used to love to go there because we thought we were older and it was the thing and i remember I used to run lights for you there. You were the main DJ there, which was really super cool. I don't know if people know this, but you and I went to junior high school together, and yep. we've been lifelong friends, and yes. so we've got a lot of history, which is really awesome. And I remember you um, sharing mixtapes with me and always like getting me excited about DJing, so you were, you were a huge influence in my ah, life. Thanks, so I just want to thank you for that. <laughs> it- I want to make sure that that is big props to you because you're the one who got me inspired the days of the mighty 690 and you would always bring mixtapes i'll never forget being at pacific christian bro in, in junior high when you showed me the mixtape of planet rock you were like dude check this out dude, dude, dude. Was like, yeah. <laughs> it was funny because like i remember that when i had just come back from central america i had lived there for three years my brother marco had brought yeah. turntables and that's when i got started so when i got back to los angeles I was just yeah. learning how to beat mix. I was just getting started, and I, I yeah. had tons of crash wrecks and my mixtapes. But then there was two or three that were like synced up just right, you know. Back then, when we had, you know, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. I didn't even have techniques. I had uh, realistic turntables and a realistic mixer, <laughs> you know. And I met you. I think it was seventh or eighth grade was when I came. Yeah, and my very sure. first yeah. encounter with you was when I walked in, I came in, and I'm bringing my slip up to the teacher, and all of a sudden, I hear somebody say, the Jordash look, because I was wearing my Jordash jeans, and I'm saying, who is this punk punking me as I walk in the door? And then to make it even funnier, bro, I hit you up because you were you, you kept cracking jokes you know, at my expense, and I'm getting pissed, and I give you this hard look like, you and I are going to have a talk. And then I catch you in the hallway after school and you gave me the Jedi mind trick. You go, no, no, bro. I'm, I'm just jealous because Jennifer, you see that really, that really hot girl, Jennifer Allen, she, she already likes you and, and, and you took her away from me. So I'm just jealous. And so I was like, all right. And that's how you and I became friends. You gave me a Jedi mind trick telling me that Jennifer Allen, the most beautiful girl in school, liked me, <laughs> which was not the case. If you would have told me about Jennifer Allen, I would have busted out that eight by ten that she did when she did that modeling shoot. Oh, Remember that? 8x10? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have it somewhere in storage still to this day. Oh my gosh, it was hilarious. That is so man. funny. Yeah, it's so funny. So anyway, back back at Maryland's, bro. I remember um, just being totally about the music, and I remember running lights for you there. It was really mm-hmm. fun, and we were kind of part of the little in crowd there, what have you. And I'll never forget one Saturday night. Um, I think his name was David, right? The guy who ran Maryland yeah. was it David. Yeah, yeah. David. He came out. And he's like, "Hey, we have a message on the answering machine. You know, um, it looks like Hector's going to be a little bit late, so we need you to get the music started." And that was like my first experience DJing. Yep. And I, I had seen enough, and I had practiced enough to kind of know what was going on. And I remember it was about twenty minutes before you got there, and it was the thrill, bro. So. 
<laughs> Let the record be known. That was the first time that I had ever done that. That is that was awesome, man. And you nailed it, dude. Because I remember walking in and asking David, "How's it going?" He's all, "Ah, oh, he's doing good. He's doing good." And I was like, "Great." And I, I think I had gone to the Madonna concert, and the club opened at eight thirty. Yeah. But we didn't really kick it off until like ten o'clock. So I think I got there like nine forty-five or something, you know. And it was like, <laughs> and I remember you were. You were a little on the nervous side, but you were like, thanks, bro. This was awesome. I was on the nervous side, bro. That was huge. I was like, that was the first time in front of a lot of people. I had done a few things here and there. My dad, here's a funny story. My dad, um, I, I remember telling him, I said, dad, I need to get a couple of turntables. He goes, what? My dad's so funny. He's like, what do you need two? What do you need two? We'll just get one. I'm like, no, we need two. And so he took me to the people. This is really giving our age now. Right. Took me to the Federated Group remember in that? Hollywood. Yeah, Federated Group. group. <laughs> and and, and uh, I obviously wanted the 1200, but they were way too expensive. So the next one was the Techniques 100. 100. And I said, Dad, I need this one. He goes, why not this one? I go, because that one doesn't have pitch. What's pitch? And it was just a funny scenario. So my oh, dad hilarious. bought me one Techniques 100 with a little roll pitch. And I basically made it work because I had a little roll in 626. And I used to practice mixing with the one turntable and the drum machine, bro. And that's how I started practicing. Wow. When my dad finally figured it out, he felt all bad about it. And so he got me the other one. And so I was totally rocking with two 100s. Now that's and, hilarious. And that's where I started to practice and learn. And then when I had that opportunity at Maryland, it was just like, oh, here I go. That's Everything blast. I practice, here we go. So it was really now, cool. <laughs> now, now, one thing that, that we got to clear up, because since you and I go way back, you keep calling me by my first name, Hector. Okay. Oh, so, I yeah. know, right? <laughs> so in, 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 in the transition of when, as I was growing up, I was heck DJ Hector G. Yeah. And then I ended up working at two radio stations and they both found out that I was working at these radio stations. So one of them said, you can stay on board, but you got to change your name. And I was like, what do I change my name to? And so I ended up using my middle name, Fernando G. But Fernando the, G, the yeah. people that known me from the earlier years know me as Hector and then my radio years yeah. is Fernando. So that's why AJ calls that's me right. Hector. So. Yeah, well, there you go. That's, that's proof that we know each other for that long. And you know Michael, man. You know what AJ stands yep. for. So there you go. That's it. Alvaro Mora Jr. <laughs> Alvaro Jr., yeah. That's right. <laughs> I, remember, I remember your mom, Alvarito. <laughs> Alvarito, yeah. <laughs> With Costa Ricans, everything's Ito. That's why we're called right? Ticos. Yep, yep, <laughs> yeah. yep. So you and I. Uh, back yeah. in, in junior high, we used to go to your house and I remember you having, I think it was in your parents' room or somewhere in, in, in your den or something, you had a piano. And yeah. one of the things that, that really shocked me was your talent for playing piano back in the day. And um, we used to mess around a lot, you know, going to your house. And then it, it, I guess at some point you get a keyboard and you yeah. just start coming out with some crazy beats and, and and rhythms and stuff and richard vision and i had also grown up together uh um, yeah i i knew him since elementary and, and we were talking about this just the other day richard always had this um this persona of being the best at anything that he did so elementary he was the fastest runner i'm the fastest runner i got it going on <laughs> then uh junior high where where i was where i met you he was the best basketball player. Nobody <laughs> can beat me. Nobody can beat me. Right, so right, right. You and I separate. Uh, I leave Pacific Christian, and then I go to Franklin, and I run right. into Richard again. And now Richard's the best DJ. Nobody can top me. <laughs> and so somehow you and I reconnect. And yeah. and you're really nailing these. You know, back then it was freestyle and, 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 and all these cool beats. And I say, you know, Richard, you know, we've been talking about creating a music group. You gotta come and talk to AJ and stuff. And we get together, and you guys explode. You guys, your minds, your talent, and his vision and mentality for producing yeah. just explode. And why don't you take it from there and tell us how that all evolved? Yeah, you know, it's really awesome. And it's so funny. Richard's such a funny character. I love that guy so much. And we have a, a, a very beautiful and personal relationship. I haven't had a chance to engage with him as often as I'd like to. But when we do, it's always been great. Um, he's definitely family. And I remember back in those days, um, he had a lot of ideas. And since I was kind of the guy that was with the musical chops 
do whatever. I was his engineer. And so mm-hmm. he would come with this idea and that idea. And I'd try to put it all together. And, and uh, you know, we always used to bump heads because it was like, oh, he had no idea what he was talking about. I was always trying to connect with what he was trying to say. But all hands down, man, um, visionary, jump is proof of it. I mean, it's not a number one record out of accident. There was a lot of ingenuity that came from Richard's direction and my producing mm-hmm. it. Uh, from the slowdown to the to the rise up and the and the sample in the middle there with it and I mean it's what it's what made the magic and so it was an incredible collaboration and um, I've always just appreciated Richard's ambition his vision um, his his just go get it attitude he's a good bro and I love him so much and so it was a, it was a wonderful experience I mean it was just one of those things that happened in my life that um, had a lot of fruit to it man that had a lot of success to it. We did the Your Love is So Divine remix. We did a remix for Donna Summer. We, you know, how, we had a number of How did that come about, the Donna Summer remix? How did you guys uh, land that one? Because that was awesome, man. Yeah, that was, a, that was a, a big deal for us. I mean, obviously, Donna Summer's Donna Summer. And Melody of Love was a project that actually threw the radio station because Richard eventually got involved with Power 106 mm-hmm. and um, had some connections there. And so he got hit up to do that remix. And because I was his engineer, I got to be a part of that. And so together we, we directed that and it was just a, a very cool thing. I mean, it wasn't a huge hit or anything like that, but you know, it's Donna Summer and, yeah. and it was, it got its, it's got its play and it's got, you know, sent to every DJ around the world as a promo and it, it promoted us and gave us, a, you know, another marketing push. And so that was really, really cool, man. That is awesome. So, and, you know, and Richard to this day mm-hmm. continues to do amazing things and, yeah. Um, just recently, as a matter of fact, for those of you that are watching, I, I've got a new album that I just finished. I know we're going to talk about that maybe a little bit later, yeah. but I'm going to be on Power Tools um, featuring that here in, in a few weeks. And so That's awesome. Richard and I are still connected, and I'm really grateful for him always being just a huge fan. Now, you also co-hosted Power Tools there for a little while back in the day. Now, yeah, you guys yeah. um, did the uh, live from Arena, live from the Dome, uh, yeah. when Power Tools first got started. And yeah. you and I also worked at Power 106. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> brief period, and that's that's more hilarious stories. I was the oh, music man. research director, and I brought you and our and our other good friend Abe Marillo. Yeah, Abe, to work oh, together. Oh, Woo! That, that's and all she wrote. Your bro Jerry and and Diaz. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. We were we were we were quite a crew. So so I got to tell the story because it's hilarious, but. I remember working at Power 106 doing market research. Back then, it was about playing pieces of music and just doing surveys on the phone. Hey, what do you think of that? Have you heard this before? It was a way that the uh, program directors and music directors would choose different music. So, of course, I was working on music all the time. So I would bring my own cassette. And in the middle of (laughs) I would pop in my song and play a little piece of it and be like, have you heard this before? And they'd be like, no. And I'm like, well, if you heard it, would you like it? Yeah. And I would like make all the notes for it. <laughs> <laughs> self-promoting myself with the radio there station. There you go, man. Call list. And it was so funny until the program director caught on and then we were all in trouble. And yeah, it, was cool. yeah. it was cool about it, though. But yeah, that was really fun because, you know, I had a chance to test my own music through a radio station survey process. And that was that was kind of a fun. It, it, it was it was a blast. I mean, we learned so much from there, you know, from radio. And yeah, I'll never sure. forget um, the first time that you had your song air on Power 106. We yeah, were man. there. We were doing music research. And um, Richard, Rich was already mixing. Richard had gotten out because Richard also started in the music research department with, with me. Yeah, that's right. Um, actually he, he brought me in. Um, and then later on I became the music research director and he yeah. started doing mixes for Boris and Chris later on taking over the position of Boris and Chris. That's right. And, that's um, right. and then I, I'll never forget you came in very excited that day and you, you tell me, bro, guess what? And I'm like, what? He goes, they're going to air my song with Frank Lozano live on the air and i was like oh my god to me that was like like overwhelming i was like i remember i think i was more excited remember you were like kind of like all right cool but i was jumping all over you dude your song is on the air (laughs) it was huge bro it was huge and and jump had such an interesting life because it went from the underground and crossed over so fast Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so it like happened so quickly you know it didn't have a chance to kind of grow like a lot of the underground records back then i remember doing events because in that year in 1992 we traveled all over the world man Mm -hmm. and it was fun when we would come home and on the way home in the limo ride or whatever 
our song would come on. It was just like, wow, this is really happening. Wow. And I, I remember doing raves like in different parts of the country where we would go from like a desert hardcore underground rave. And then right after that, we'd follow up with a Black Angus Top 40 concert. It was like, how is this happening all at the same time? Wow. It was so weird because, you know, Mars FM here in Los Angeles mm -hmm. broke it. Swedish Eagle was the first one to break it here on Mars FM and Groove, actually Groove Radio. Uh -huh. And, um, Mars and then Groove Radio, of course, was right. a part of that. But but it just became one of those records that just had a very short life because it went from underground to pop very, very, very fast. Very quickly, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the things, I think people will appreciate this because this is kind of DJ talk and, and those uh, who are tuning into what you're trying to do here. One of the reasons that I believe that happened was because we came in with Jump right at the time when the mix show DJ was being born. Yeah. And so if you remember back in those days, the DJs in, on the mix shows and the top 40 radio stations would break up a hip hop set for about 15 minutes mm -hmm. and then a techno set for about 15 minutes and then another hip hop set for about 15 minutes yeah. and then another techno set for about 15 minutes. And Jump allowed them to do hip hop, techno, hip hop, techno, hip hop, techno, hip hop, techno in that segment instead right. of breaking it up into spots because they would use Jump in the breakdown section. So if they started with techno, they'd mix into hip hop in the break and then mix back in the jump in the break and go back out into techno. So what ended up happening is a lot of the program directors, because you know this well from radio, all these guys used to have to chart the music yes. that they played because it was it needed to be recorded. And so they kept asking, why are you guys playing this jump record two times? And it was because they were using it to go into a mix and then to go out of a mix. And that gave us like free promotion. And oh, that yeah. really just escalated um, the, the requests and, and the use of the record and stuff. So a very interesting fact that I think people would be, you know, kind of think that's kind of cool. Now, I remember uh, hanging out with you when you guys were producing Jump uh, at the beginning with the movement. It was yeah. you, Richard Hayes, and, uh, of course, our, our good friend uh, who, rest in peace, Walter Kahn. Uh, yes. We would go to his house in Hollywood. Yeah. And he had his, I remember there's big old giant studio mix board in the middle of his living room. <laughs> I was like, I was like, a big wow. SSL board. Yeah, 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 that thing was huge. But yeah. the sound that you guys were pulling out from that yeah. little house, I was I was shocked because you you and I had experienced uh real giant production studios uh when yeah. you were producing uh Hiroko from Japan and you worked with um uh, Gary Chase, the engineer. Gary Chase. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I would tag along just to learn, to watch you guys. And yeah. I remember being in these studios over there in, on, on Melrose in West Hollywood with you. And, and you and Gary, I mean, just all night sessions. I remember these all night sessions. Yeah. And it was these small little rooms. And so when you were working with Walter at his household, it was a living room. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I never realized that you could pull out this studio quality production from yeah. somebody's living room. And you guys were just coming out with some stuff that, that just blew my mind. You know what I mean? Cause it was a different sound from what we were coming out of the freestyle yeah. and, and the first hip hop, like run DMC and all these stuff that yeah. we were used to. So your sound was, was different. And it's when house music was starting to evolve and you guys were pioneers yeah. of that. So, Tell us about that experience of working with Hayes and, and Richard and Walter and putting that together, man. You know, it, it it was fascinating because it just really was a blessing how it kind of fell into my lap. I remember when I first started making music, I was using the um, Sonic 16 Plus, which was uh, a really cool sampler with some sequencing software. And then from there, it went to the ASR-10. And um, those are still very popular keyboards. They're, they're very, you know, they're antique-ish now, but they're still kind of popular and, and what have you. Like Kanye West still has his ASR-10 and there's some other artists that still use it. But anyway, um, long story short, I remember just learning how to produce music on this one unit and never really got into some of the bigger software that was evolving at that time. And I remember the first time I ended up at a studio on Magnolia and Burbank with Gary Chase and... Um, it was, I was working with this artist that you just mentioned, Hiroko from Japan, which coincidentally we met at, um, Maryland's Backstreet, Backstreet. Did a little showcase there with yeah. her father. And, um, I gave him my cassette and he called me back and this whole thing worked out where I ended up at the studio making this album for this girl. And I was blown away. It was one of those Hollywood moments. I'm seriously, it was a movie. It was so funny. I actually 
when I went the very first time to Obvious Records in, in Hollywood to meet Koji Minato, Hiroko's father, he was closing out a meeting with Coolio and Michelle Pfeiffer. Wow. Because he had some other stuff going on. And so I was, you know, just 23, 24-year-old awestruck kid going, what is happening right now? That's but I remember I ended up at, ending up at the studio. And, you know, I remember when I walked in, because obviously Gary had, had heard the cassette tape that I gave um, Hiroko's father. Right. And so I start plugging in, you know, with my, I put up my little stand, start putting my little keyboard, start plugging things in. And he looks over at me and he goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm plugging in my stuff. And he goes, he's like, you don't use Cubase? And I'm like, what the hell is Cubase? <laughs> I was so completely like unaware. I was just oh so into gosh. it. It was so raw and so organic. So obviously you can imagine at that point, Gary had a choice. He'd be like, dude, you need to go. You don't know what you're doing. But you know what? He heard the stuff and he saw that there was some honest, raw talent there. He took me under his wing. And um, I really appreciate that guy. He's He's been a huge influence in my life. He he sewed into me, man, and it was really, really awesome. And so we transferred all the stuff from the ASR-10 into Cubase, and that's when I started learning the larger, you know, uh, advances of, of recording equipment and, and that kind of thing. And it was just awesome. So obviously when we ended up at Walters, I was a little bit familiar with, you know, the SSL board and what was right. going on. And, right. And you know, it was a learning process, man. It was a, it was a hardcore, on-the-fly, organic learning process, and it was, it was awesome. But it... it- to me, I found it amazing because um, what you would produce at your little home studio in, in, in your dad's house in, in, in the basement. I yeah, used to yeah. come to your house and I remember the keyboards and I remember this little cassette deck that I thought it was a tape recorder, but it turned out to be a four track. And you were the first one that taught me about ping ponging. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah, like... Yeah what the hell is he talking about ping-ponging and stuff? Multi-tracking, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you were, I mean, but what you were producing was just freaking awesome, man. It was bomb, you know? It was like, and we're talking about cassette tapes, you know? Today's youth, if you're you're watching and and you're beyond, if you were born... the dinosaur. Exactly, man. We're talking about the old little cassette tapes and AJ was pulling out this amazing quality at his father's basement out of his father's basement yeah. it was just amazing so let, let's move forward a little bit and um and let's talk about how you came uh co-founder of aqua boogie so after after the movement released the ep which was supposed to be followed up by an album um many of you will remember the monster hit by snap rhythm is a dancer mm-hmm. And many of you will remember uh, the Bodyguard soundtrack with Whitney Houston and the movie she did with uh, Kevin Costner. Those took priority, obviously, because of their massive impact. And so the movement got shelved after that because we were on Arista Records and right. both that movie soundtrack and <clears throat> Snap Rhythm is a Dancer came out of that, of that label. So we had a short life with a major label and it was great. They did a video. They did two videos, Bingo and Jump. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> great promotion. It was an amazing experience. Obviously got a chance to travel all over the world. Obviously jumped with number one on, on the dance billboard charts. And that was good and, and fine and dandy. But we were so committed to our our hardcore dance music roots. And after, you know, the big major label dissed us or whatever right. our fit was about. The ever, we decided, everlasting we, story we decided, of record labels, you know right? We're going to do our own thing. And so, boom, yeah. Aqua Boogie Records was born. And, um, that was just fun. It just gave us the full creative freedom again. And, you know, it did well. I mean, it did little pockets across the country here and there, but we were mostly right. a regional L.A. based label that just started putting out dance track after dance track. And with the support of Power 106, we were getting some airplay. And that was just fun. We, we had a, a really crazy little monopoly there for a while because... I had more entertainment, which was a management company. Uh-huh. I had Sketch Music Group, which was the publishing company. We had Power Tools, which was a radio station. We had The Dome, which was our club. Uh-huh. We had Aqua Boogie, which was our record label. And so we were showcasing our artists on our you know, club, on our radio show, with our publishing company. With, you guys I mean, had the just, market It was cornered, about two man. years of just a complete monopoly. Right, day. right. It was no, really you, funny. Yeah. You guys had the market corner, man. And, and that was the beauty of what you guys were doing. Because, yeah. like you said, you know, you had the radio station. You had the backing of the radio station. You had your nightclub. Yeah. You had the, the artists, you know. Yeah. I mean, you had the talent. Now, and you guys just 
did phenomenal stuff. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about you DJing. When, what would you say was, how did you learn to beat mix? How what was the the the, the how could I say it? Now I lost my channel. But anyways, how was it that you actually learned yeah. to to match the beats and 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 get to where you are today? Well, I mean, I always had such a love for dance music. I remember way back when, in the days of Mighty 690 out of San Diego and TJ. And when Power One Stakes turned into a dance music format, it just elevated that to another level. And so buying music and getting the gear and trying to figure out how to mix, it was just a lot of practice. And eventually, you know, you kind of figured it out. And then from there, I think it just became more of a, how can I be creative to take this ability to maybe, you know, beat match here and there and, and, and create a story and so from there, it's always been kind of an evolving process. Um, nowadays, I just, I really love the programming aspect of DJing. I love to blend the music for a significant amount of time. I'm way too bored to wait for the break and then do a quick 30 second mix. Obviously with some music on different formats, you're able to do that, get away with it. And certainly I'm aware of that. I'm, I'm a full on DJ, I can play everything. But as far as house music and dance music is concerned, um, there's a real art to it, and I love the long blends and looping stuff nowadays with that technology, and just really having things constantly happening. And uh, you know, it's just it's my thing. I've always been kind of a dubby tribal house um, kind of DJ, mm -hmm. but you know, I love all the all the high energy stuff. I love all the melodic stuff, the progressive house stuff, even the soulful, you know, um, vocal house stuff is all, is all good. But yeah, DJing is great, man. It's amazing therapy for me and. I've enjoyed just continuing to perfect that craft. I, you know, I don't think anybody ever gets, you know, gets there and that's it. I think it's a constant evolution. And I would like to think that I'm a better DJ today than I was 10 years ago. So, yeah. Well, you've always had the talent. I mean, like I said, you know, when, when I first met you, you had the, the musical chops for sure. When I used to hear you play piano, I mean, like I said, the first yeah. time that I heard you play, I was like, I was blown away. I was like, wow, I, I didn't know you, you knew how to play piano like this. And it was yeah. like pro level, you know, and we're, we're talking back in, seventh grade you know Let, uh, you. let's talk cool. about equipment and from when you first got started working on that little four track cassette deck yeah. to today and the software that you use let's let's talk about the evolution of how you yeah. evolved into so, today's um, technology I got, I got introduced to logic about you know 10 years ago and started with logic 8 and evolved to the next one and eventually got Logic 10 Pro, and I've sort of stuck to that. I know there's been other software that's been, you know, pretty popular out there, like Ableton and what have you. Uh, my son, AJ, who's an incredible producer mm -hmm. as well, he uses Ableton. He's always trying to convince me to try that. But Logic has just kind of been my thing, and um, that was the software that I chose, and obviously all the, all the soft synths and all the plugins and things that you can add to that just allow you to have a, a wide diversity of, you know, patches from synthesizers to rhythm section keyboards and, and uh, you know, uh, drum kits and what have you. And so that's kind of been my go-to. Um, it, it's a, This is my studio here, and it's a pretty simple situation. I've got the KRKs. i got a very simple little controller keyboard. I've got my Mac and another screen there for a little bit more. On the bottom, I have some legendary Alesis ones, yeah. which, you know, go back nice. 25 years. Those are the ones that were in my basement. Every once in a while, I'll click those on for a different monitoring reference. But, um, you know, nowadays, anybody can get some decent software. And it's really a matter of um, the style that you perfect and what you add to what's very easily attainable to a lot of people now. Yeah. Things have changed so much. I mean, back in the day, I was Mickey Mousing it left and right, you know, trying to discover what MIDI was and kind of just sampling sounds from a keyboard and using them that way instead of yeah. using it as a MIDI. I mean, you know, it was... It was raw, bro. It was you really were the raw. one that introduced me to MIDI. It was funny because yeah, things are much easier now. But yeah. you know, the, the difference is how you take that simplicity and be extra creative with it. So. Yeah, it was funny because I remember you, you talking a lot about MIDI, and and I was like, "What the hell is this MIDI thing?" And and I'll never forget. <laughs> you're all like, "Dude, music." instrument digital interface and i'm like oh yeah that cleared it up yeah. <laughs> i was like <laughs> I, was I was just like, as happy to figure that out too <laughs> i still have no idea what it meant <laughs> i i just remember the first time trying to use midi and i was all excited yeah. i hooked up my keyboard and i was using yeah. back in the day cakewalk home studio 
is what I started yeah. off doing my remixes with. And I remember the very first time, and I'm reading this book, and I'm thinking, okay, I got this, and I plug it in, and <laughs> I hit the first key, and, and I'm like, what did I do? And it just, what's it was, happening? Yeah, just looping through, and I hit the, the wrong thing, and it, it took me like about a month and a half to finally figure it all out. But right. it, it was it was awesome. So now you have done some amazing things in your life. Okay, um, let's go to your project with the children from the Sudan. Now that to me is extremely inspiring um, yeah. for a person like that, that for a person to do. I mean, let's talk about that, brother. Yeah, that was an incredible part of my life. Um, a lot of people know a little bit about my history from the music in the 90s, around the time my sons were born. Uh, my son, AJ, who's going to be 24 this year, is amazing. Wow. Uh, he was born in 96. Around that time, I had kind of taken a break from the music. So during that hiatus, I got very involved with a lot of community um, events and, and service kinds of things. Um, I was very heavily involved in a church here in the community in the Highland Park area. And that led to a number of decisions that got me just more and more integrated at that level. So around 2008, from those experiences, um, after some life-changing events and some really important decisions, when I jumped back into the music, I started uh, an organization called Remix Our World, which took that, that time in, in the church and in social and community events and the relationship that I had built and made a bridge with the EDM community that was now forming and the dance music community to try to raise awareness for a couple of major, major um, uh, organizations. One is called Eden Projects, which is a reforestation project that plants millions of trees around the world for 10 cents a tree um, that's doing incredible, incredible work. Nice. And then the other one is Empowering Lives International, which have uh, they have orphanages and schools and things like that in the southern um villages of sudan so in 2009 i was able to go to sudan um, after launching remix our world and a project we called sudance which was djs united for sudan yeah. um of course in 2008 most of you know when you know the crap hit the fan with the with the financial uh, crisis and and the meltdown of the mortgage industry and whatnot all of the funding that i had people supporting that just went down the tubes and so that was another story but before that, I was able to have planned this trip to um, North, uh, southern Sudan, and it was incredible. I mean, it was two weeks, literally in the middle of nowhere. I remember arriving in Kenya before we crossed over to Sudan, and at the border before we crossed over in Nairobi in Kenya to Sudan, they made a sign of waiver saying, you are now willfully on your own going to Sudan. We have nothing to do with what happens from this point wow. forward. And I was like, okay. So I signed wow. that. We got on this little missionary plane. And as we're landing, I see nothing but huts. And, you know, I'm like, what's going on? We landed this little dirt road. We got off. The little plane left. And that was it, dude. It was like, thank God that we were there with people who knew what was going on. Because wow. literally in that region of the world, they'll shoot you and ask questions later. Exactly. But um, yeah. um, it was an incredible experience. I got to meet some of the kids that we were raising awareness for. We built some uh, some water wells there for them in the village of Komarak. And, uh, yeah, it was life-changing, man. It was pretty That's awesome. Beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Uh, one, awesome. one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. Now, many people uh, may not know this, but you, you were actually a pastor as well at your church. I was. As I mentioned about the social work and the church, um, mm -hmm. the Herman Free Methodist Church is a church that was part of our neighborhood growing up. I went to junior high youth group there um, growing up around here. Um, my father was involved in ministry and part of the church for, he still is mm -hmm. for many years, a different organization than the Free Methodist Church, but we always knew this was the church of the neighborhood and what have you. And when we went to Pacific, you remember, yep. Yep. Uh, Fernando could walk down to do chapels at that church. Yep. So yep. <clears throat> it's always been a familiar part of this neighborhood. Long story short, there was, um, those of you who know the Highland Park and Avenues rivalry here in this part of Northeast LA, um, Back then, my, my, my beautiful kid's mom, uh, Christine, who uh, was an incredible influence, together we did something to help bring awareness to the community, um, raising you know awareness for the neighborhood watch signs that are still up to this day and wow. trying to bring some peace to a very rival gang time 
during that time. So yeah. long story short, because this could be for an entirely different episode, there was a young kid who lived with his fiance right up the street from where we lived. And his name was Albert, um, Albert Dimitamonis. And right across the street from that was another young man by the same name who had just gotten out of prison and was a high targeted gangster. And one Sunday afternoon, some guys pulled up looking to do a hit on this Albert. And this Albert was down by his car and the guys weren't sure what was really going on, but they were right on the neighborhood. And one of the guys yelled out, Albert. And when this Albert turned around, they opened fire and they shot this kid. And I remember getting the call from his fiance who was expecting a child saying, AJ, AJ Albert's been shot. I remember running up there and, um, holding this kid in my arms and watching him take his last breath. And almost like a movie scene, I remember walking down the street with my shirt just drenched in blood, wow. eyeballing every one of these little wannabe gangsters saying, you guys know that you're the reason that this young man was innocently killed. And it was incredible. From yeah. that point forward, um, I, I the, the way I got connected, this whole story connects to how I got connected to the Hermit Church. I uh, set up a neighborhood watch uh, meeting and at the fellowship center of the church, we got together and said, we need to do something to rally around what's going on in our neighborhood. This is ridiculous. You know, yeah. lives should not be taken. And long story short, one of the interim youth uh, pastors of the church surrounded me and said, dude, we want to offer you this room. I know you've been hanging out with some kids because we had kids coming to our yard. We had started this thing called Wednesday night sessions where, my, my buddy Vito, oh so big. A lot of people from LA will recognize oh so big. But Vito was part of the youth group that I used to go to that my parents went to. And I remember showing up after like, you know, the movement days or whatever. Uh-oh. Sorry. <laughs> Can you see me okay? Now we're back. Yeah. Yep. Somebody, a call came in, sorry. Um, I remember asking Vito, hey, bro, how's youth group? And he's like, we don't have youth group. I'm like, why not? He's like, um, our youth pastor left. I'm like, what? And then these words would change my life forever, bro. I told Vito, I go, why don't you guys come over to my house? He's like, for real? So <laughs> he shows up with like 20 kids on a Wednesday. And I didn't know what the heck to do, bro. I started throwing out cassettes and whatever. Hey, can we come back next week? Sure. 30 kids, 40 kids. Bro, oh we had like gosh. 60, 70 kids showing up at our yard in the pseudo youth group that started out of nothing. So anyway, warp speed ahead to the shooting and parents were all freaking out about the kids coming to my house because it was right up the street and this guy, Eddie Ledesma, handed me the keys to the David's Youth Center, which was one of the buildings that belonged to the church, and yeah, said, why don't you guys meet here? And so that started um, kind of a little revolution, man. All these knuckleheads that were coming to this youth group, and it wasn't your traditional youth group. I mean, this could be smoking out before coming in. <laughs> it was just, it was raw. It that, was that, so That raw. was the Highland Park and area. All I could do was just love on them, you know? Yeah. And, well, next thing you know, they start showing up on Sundays and the pastor who was an older man trying to figure out what the heck is going on was like, something's going on here. And it just evolved to one thing to another. So, yeah, I went from uh, this sort of pseudo youth pastor to assisting the original youth pastor to becoming the youth pastor to becoming an associate youth pastor. I was sent to school. I went to Azusa Pacific University. I got my I was just shy of a master's in theology, but I did get my bachelor's in theology. And then I became a senior here from 2003 to 2008. Nice, so, nice, yeah, nice. It was a very, it was a very incredible experience. It's still a very important part of my life. But um, you know, it's but, like a, but you you never left your DJ roots because no. I heard stories that while you were at the church, people would come up and they'd be hearing music bumping and lights flashing. Oh yeah, so you, you brought the whole DJ experience to oh, the church yeah, as well. Bro. We they have the best block parties this was the coolest church on the block bro <laughs> yeah it so, was fun. it, it was, it was fun. not your everyday church as you would come in no, and, and, really and hear cool. christian hymns and stuff you know i'll never forget the first year as the senior pastor of the church on easter sunday i set up the turntables and we had gospel groovy house going as everybody was walking sweet. in for that first Easter. sweet it and, was and, pretty and, and you also produce Christian dance music as well. I did. Um, I did. Back in 1996, around the time my son AJ was born, I had gone to the Winter Music Conference during all this time that was going on with what I just shared. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a guy named Scott Blackwell from New York City and, 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 Florida, and in Miami also. He was kind of running both circuits, who had started a record label called End Soul Records. 
which was taking all of the music, worship music from church from that time and making dance music remixes to it. And it was called Nitro Praise, you know, cheesy name, whatever. But it was working and the Christian market was eating it up because it was an alternative to just the normal contemporary Christian music with this dance music. So we used to use that a lot at the WNS, at the Wednesday night sessions that we used to run. And uh, so I was kind of wondering, you know, who the Scott Blackwell guy was. So anyway, long story short, I'm in Miami, literally at the Winter Music Conference in 1996. And I'm sitting at a, at a really cool outdoor bar and masters at work are jamming outside. And I'm sitting next to this guy who's wearing this Ensoul t-shirt. And I look over at him and I'm like, hey, Ensoul, I know that label. I said, do you know who Scott Blackwell is? And he's like, I'm Scott Blackwell. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up connecting. It's so funny because... We ended up connecting in Miami, and he was in the San Fernando Valley the whole time in Van Nuys. Um, he lived out here anyway. So from there on, um, I got involved with Enso, and then later his other record label called MYX Makes Records. And, yeah, put out a lot of really cool, uh, I guess you would call Christian dance music. Yeah, it's kind of like okay. It's bomb. Yeah. I mean, well, everything that you, that you do, I mean, like the stuff that you've shared on social media and stuff, I go, oh, AJ's producing again, and I got, and you start sharing <laughs> little snippets and stuff. I go, here we go, here we go, and you just got this, this style, this energy that you bring to your music, which is awesome, which brings us to today, and yeah. the launch of your latest project. Let's talk about that. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude, I'm really excited. Obviously, we're all living in probably the most challenging time of our postmodern history. Oh yeah. I, I, I hate the word unprecedented because it's being used almost every hour now. Something is unprecedented. But honestly, 2020 is like no other. And so I remember at the end of 2019, I had committed that I was going to come into 2020 before all of this stuff blew up. And I said, I'm going to create again. I'm going to make music. I'm going to upgrade my studio because I've been dying to create again. So I came in and I had already chosen the title Renewal as part of me coming in as a renewal project. And who knew it was gonna be so fitting? Obviously by February, when I had already started producing some of the album, all this stuff started going down. By March 16th, before St. Patrick's Day, we got that first rollout shut down. And so here I was, man, just planted in this chair for hours at a time. And I just kept cranking and cranking and cranking. I ended up making about 24 solid tracks. I took 10 of those tracks and created what is coming on August 14th as the Renewal album on Deep Life Records. I took the other um, 14 or so and gave them to different labels. Right now, there is a track on House Tribe Records, George Cardenas' label, um, called Tribe Man that's out. And um, I've got another record coming out on uh, Third Virtue, which my girl Charity runs, Bubble Rap, DJ Bubble, Bubble Rap, Rap yeah, yeah. called AI. Uh, and then uh, my boy a MK837, Dave Richardson's got two tracks coming out uh, on his label. And so I was able to spread the love out. And so this album is the first since 20 years that I did a full length album. That's and it's, I'm very proud of it, man. Pretty solid. It's got some really um, intentional, artistic approach to it. It's a listenable and danceable album. And uh, Tim from Deep Life Records has just been such a champ and really supporting this and going out of his way to really, you know, pump it up. Um, I got a chance to work with my sister again on one of Your the tracks. has got a beautiful voice, man. My She's sister got Gabby, a phenomenal yeah, voice. So my son contributed um, an interlude there that's really cool from his album, Empire, that you guys can check out on uh, at, at uh, Prod by Sid, P-R-O-D-S-I-I-D. Uh, he's, he's amazing. He came out with a pretty awesome more hip hop urban style album. And uh, yeah, it's been great, man. I just, you know, it's been, I, I couldn't believe that I was able to do that. But you know, when you, when you get, when you have to check yourself and there's nothing else to do and you just had your mindset on something, I mean, bro, I just, the creative juices just started flowing out of nowhere. Yeah, and, um, and there came renewal and it's pretty cool. I, I, I was hearing some of your, um, your postings on, on Instagram and, and your, your son was there. And, yeah. and your your sister and and she's belting out these killer lyrics and just her her solid voice and I mean to me that that's awesome I mean as you know I got started late my boys are still little guys my my, my eldest yeah. is eleven yeah. years old my other one is is eight and they're, yeah. I'm just now teaching them how to beat mix and stuff and that's getting awesome, all excited bro. about it 
But yeah. I mean, what a true blessing to be able to not only work with your sister, but with your son producing yeah. an album that is destined to just be great, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And um, I'm excited about it. Man. It's going to be cool. It drops on August 14th. Sweet, sweet. So yeah. in, in, in this um, that we're talking about sharing the love, let's talk about love sessions. Yeah, so Love Sessions is a, a an extension to my life mission and some of what I shared just a moment ago about my involvement with the church and the rawness and organic way that that um, was allowed to be led and the dynamics that came from that. Um, a little bit less traditional in, in the sense, without compromise at all, the message is still the message. I mean, it's a very clear thing. Love is the most powerful force in the universe and hope is a promise. I do believe in an ultimate creator who revealed himself in the human form of his son, Jesus the Christ. And that's the bottom line. And I do believe that there was a, a cosmic renewal at his death and resurrection. And, you know, um, I'm happy to talk about it with anyone who has questions about it, because obviously it is faith and yep. it is a philosophy of life, but it also has gotten pretty distorted. So because of my life experience in the music, in the church, back in the music, I, I believe I have a unique perspective on life. And so Love Sessions was created to bridge people who know spirituality and faith is important, but think religion is crap, man, and have issues with church or things, stereotypes and what have you. Mm -hmm. So Love Sessions was created to bridge a conversation about those important realities that I know a lot of people think about in terms and in ways that is a little bit more palatable. I'm not bringing out a big old Bible and I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking about just, you know, let's consider some things, you know? And so Love Sessions was created just to do that. Uh, we recognize that, um, unfortunately, religion and certain faith perceptions have been polluted and manipulated and distorted. But like I always say, by definition, those things can only be true if it came from a pure place because you can't have something that's polluted, manipulated, and distorted unless it was pure first and then it got polluted, manipulated, and distorted. Right. So I try to agree. Yeah, you're right. All this crap has happened. But let's make our way back to when it was pure. Let's see if we can receive the message at its purest form. And so that's what Love Session is about, man. It's Amen a conversation. To Amen to that. And uh, I do it once a month. And I usually, we used to gather, but with all this pandemic and shutdowns, and being respectful of people's health and, and, you know, different responses to this. We haven't been meeting physically, but I do do it on our Facebook page at Love Sessions Official on Facebook and Official Love Sessions on Instagram. So you can check it out. Um, it's good stuff, man. It's just honest conversation. It, it is. Not trying, to, I, I, not I, trying I, to shove anything down anybody's throat, just saying, hey, what do you think about this? You know, so. I, I like the last one that you did. And I, I didn't catch the gentleman's name uh, that was with you, but you also had one of your buddies DJing yeah. as well. So the DJ, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the DJ element always. Jose shooting, Jose shooting. Yeah, there I love Jose. Yeah, you, you yeah. guys did your sets and stuff. So there's always music involved, you know, yeah. and and tied in with some some great topics, man. I love it. It's freaking yeah. awesome. So, dude, man, this has been awesome going down memory lane with you and going back right to on. our. Our childhood experiences and know, working really? together at Power 106 and and your you know, your trek through all this adventure, which has been DJing and yeah. music, man. And and yeah. I got to tell you, it's been a blessing to have you as the the friend that you are. And we were talking about it the other day that God put our paths the I way think He so, did man. for Absolutely. a reason, man. For a reason, and and, and it's been Absolutely. beautiful, man. It's been freaking awesome. Absolutely. So before we head out, obviously. Please give everybody your info as far as your socials and stuff like that so, so that they can uh, connect with you, man. Most definitely. Well, most of my handles on all of the social media platforms are at DJ AJ Mora. Um, that includes SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, at DJ AJ Mora Fans is the music page on Facebook. But uh, yeah, check it out. Thank you for supporting the album that's coming out on Deep Life Records on august 14th and you know thank you for giving me a shout or a follow on any of those social platforms i know how important that that stuff is for a lot of people but you know for me it's like whatever thank you for the follow i'm not like <laughs> i'm not trying to become instagram famous but um i do have some killer dances on tiktok if you want to check those out too so. there you go <laughs> i still haven't been able to get into that bro <laughs> 
The only reason I got on there was because thinking, what's his face? The influencer guy. Uh, what's his name? Gary, J- Gary V. What's his name, AJ? The, Gary V, dude. That's the guy who got me like, dude, if Wait, Gary V's on there. Is your son there with you? My, yeah, AJ. Hey, oh, dude, get him on, uh, please. Because he's, he's another he's talent to be reckoned with, man. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to get some water and interview AJ. There we go. <laughs> AJ oh, Jr. Trouble, kid. What's up, bro? <laughs> What's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. Now, now, you and your dad, we go way back. You and I have never met. I've met your brother once. But, dude, man, I've been seeing some of the stuff that you've been doing. Let's talk about the music that you've been producing and stuff. Sure. Sure. I mean, what do you want to know? (laughs) What's your latest project? What's what's been going on? Um, I just recently this year, I think in April, I I dropped a project called Empire. Um, I do a lot of, like, hip-hop and trap and... uh, like what pop music is now, what you would hear on the radio um, with some of my friends and other artists that I've, uh, I've met in the, within the last few years. So um, it's a it's a rap project, like kind of like with a mixtape feel, but um, it's feature instrumental feature. So there's uh, there's a couple of like my, my guys on there who rap and, and also produce and uh, make music with me. But then nice. uh, it's you know there's some instrumentals for the for the instrumental people out there. Very good. Well, you definitely got your dad's chops, man, because like we were talking a little while ago, I mean, you, you know, I've known your dad since seventh grade and, yeah. you know, playing keyboards and stuff was something that he just had in him, you know, and he, you know, took that to the next level. Now you were also on Conan some years back, right? Ah, the Conan experience. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, apparently, I don't know, I guess they uh, they came across my dad's website, the Best LA DJ Services, uh-huh. and uh, they were just looking for some casting for DJs. And so uh, he sent a picture of uh, one of his other friends who was a little bit uh, older than me and younger than himself. So he sent a picture of himself and then a picture of me just so they have some range and they decided to... Go, to go, go ahead younger and cat, right? <laughs> you don't want the old guy. <laughs> right? Hey, I, I've been through that too, bro, so don't feel bad. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome, yeah. man. Well, congratulations. Yeah. And and where can DJs find you uh, on your social? What's what's your social? In- yeah, info? at Prod by Sid on everything. Uh, Instagram, Twitter. I think my SoundCloud is I am Sid, but everything else is Prod by Sid. That's S-I-I-D. Excellent, brother. Well, yeah. congratulations. Best of luck to you on your projects. And... God be with you, man. Appreciate you. All right, bro. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you for doing that, bro. Oh, bro. I mean, as soon as I heard he was there, I go, that's awesome, man, because he's a talent uh, to be reckoned with as well. You know, I mean, he's producing some good stuff. He's amazing. He's amazing. He's taught his old man a few things during this production stuff, too, which is really, really cool. That's awesome. Brother, again, thank you so much for taking the time to sit with me. I love you, man. God bless Thank you. Thank you, man. I love you, too. And hopefully when this is all over, we'll be able to sit down and have a good lunch, have a few drinks, and who knows? Maybe we'll collaborate. Let's one do day. it. Yeah, right. let's do it. I love that. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for watching. This is good stuff, bro. Keep it up. Thanks, man. Take care. And don't forget, right, we got more DJs that are going to be coming real soon, so make sure you hit the subscribe button. We want to get more DJs out here so that you newcomers can learn a little bit from the pros that have been out there for a little while. Make sure you hit that bell so that we uh, you get notifications when we got something new going on appreciate you guys god bless stay safe